0: For much of the 19th century, Indochina was owned and run by the French. However, then the Japanese invaded, running the French out. Ho Chi Minh, a socialist but also a revolutionary, actually teamed up with the U.S. to help fight against the Japanese at the time. In 1945, Ho Chi Minh announced that Vietnam was now a sovereign nation and was breaking away from French Indochina, who, fresh from World War II, countered and started the First Indochina War of 1946-1953, to where the North Vietnamese won and the area was divided up between communist North Vietnam and French-owned South Vietnam. I highly recommend Armchair Historians' video on the view of the Vietnam War through the eyes of the Northern Vietnamese. As they were absolutely baffled and confused as to why we were even there. The agreement said that elections should be held to reunite the nation, and allow people to decide if they wanted to go capitalist or socialist. These elections were supposed to be monitored by Canada, India, and Poland, so that they could be free and fair, with no side putting a thumb on the scale. In 1955, the President of South Vietnam, a dictator and tyrant who rigged elections, said they had not signed the agreement, so no elections would be held. This caused the Second Indochina War, which America, of course, got into. The North Vietnamese government did land reforms and political executions just as Lenin did, and while the numbers were hyped as to one in every 160 people, later estimates from declassified files listed it more like 13,000 people. Still not great. The Vietnamese government were Trotskyites and rejected Stalinism. French Indochina had essentially kept all Vietnamese destitute as French pillaged their land and resources, much like most colonial powers. Because of this, Vietnamese embraced Trotsky's ideas of Marxist-Leninism. The Viet Cong in South Vietnam, as well as those in the North, fought with non-stop fervor, and American generals were in shock as to how effective they were and how hard it was to crush their morale. American and French troops, of course, had low morale, being far from home in a war most of them were neutral on, being sent into a meat grinder, while the Vietnamese were overthrowing centuries of oppression in defense of their homes. And because the Vietnamese didn't understand why we were there, but we were bombing the hell out of their homes, they were understandably more brutal to our troops than we liked like them to be, considering we weren't great to theirs either. Ho Chi Minh's reign saw constant war, so holding him as a brutal tyrant is hardly fair any more than most war-torn leaders. After the two Indochina wars, which saw them fighting alongside Laos and Cambodia, Ho died in 1969, never knowing peace. Cambodia was a strong Maoist and the Khmer Rouge slaughtered 1.4 million of its own people and Vietnamese soldiers until the Vietnamese army finally toppled it. After this in 1979, China invaded Vietnam and had to defend itself from China, who was angry about their toppling the Khmer Rouge. It was a retaliation and then immediately left, showing them that the Soviet Union could not protect it from China anymore. After that point, the US convinced China to embargo Vietnam. Leaving it pretty much on its own, with Agent Orange in the South making its fields barren, and the North bombed into the Stone Age, and landmines and unexploded ordinances everywhere. In 1986, there was a reshuffle in the government, and Vietnam believed it needed to go through a free market period, like Marx predicted, to get education and infrastructure up and running. They joined the World Trade Organization, and are expanding economically. The party has, from what I can tell, free and fair elections, though freedom of speech is more socially repressed than politically. Most political prisoners are exiled, while around 100 are held in prisons awaiting deportation. Compare this to how many prisoners America has, and this is a tiny drop in the bucket. Vietnam and Laos are essentially brother nations, and Laos relies on the Vietnamese military to help protect it, and it was part of the Chinese embargo. Vietnam and Laos may well be the closest thing to actual Marxist-Leninists, as opposed to Stalinists. After the fall of the Soviet Union, a coup in Cambodia ended their ties with Vietnam, and the monarchy was restored. Behind the Bastards has a piece on one of the movers and shakers of the Cambodian genocide, with Royalists, Soviets, and Maoist Khmer Rouge all constantly fighting and massacring each other until Vietnam came into the picture. As hesitant as I am of accepting any narrative from either side, YouTuber Luna Oi makes a strong case for Vietnam, and I can't find any facts to disprove her, and most of the facts we were told were lies from the government intelligence to help prolong the war. Historians of all political stripes are showing that Vietnam didn't massacre people more than any other nation does in the fog of war. A nation that tried to switch to socialism using democratic socialism and failed was Chile. The Communist Party was outlawed for a decade, but then came back into power with the Socialists in 1970. They had all the rights and freedoms the U.S. had at the time, and began working to try and shift over to a Socialist Nation with a planned economy. Of course, this disrupted the markets and caused a recession, because no Capitalist Nation would ever accidentally end up with a recession. That could never be. The last thing the U.S. wanted was a positive Socialist Nation to be an example for positive Communism, so they helped the Fascist-like Pino Pinochet stage a coup deposing President Salvador Allende. According to some scholars, Pinochet was not technically a fascist, but he still ruled via terror. Part of the reason is A, he didn't adhere to a mythologized glorious past, and B, he was essentially a puppet client state and could not expand. Up to 3,000 people were murdered and 80,000 were brutally imprisoned and abused, while 200,000 were tortured. Chile had 17 torture centers. Pinochet was also the first to institute neoliberalism and was praised by Milton Friedman as the ideal economy for Full knowing of the atrocities being done. Neoliberalism expanded a decade later via Thatcher and then Reagan, where they began also expanding neoconservative ideas of expanding their reach around the globe, destroying unions and regulation, making rich people so much richer, letting our infrastructure crumble, spiking the debt to later blame on the other party, and causing war crimes almost like neoliberalism never works. Kind of what is said about communism. Or it does, but like with fascism, it has no real endgame other than to return everything to an empire, level gilded age full of pollution desperate workers and hyper rich assholes taking the places of lords and kings not even going to bother trying to monetize this one with all the violence in it sexual abuse was a major form of torture with reports of drugged forced incest and use of animals nearly every single woman was the target of repeated rape and men were anally raped and violated fear and intimidation was all part of this regime I've had assholes on the internet claim that the rest of the population was doing better like that's a rationalization certain classes of Americans are doing better because we have the most prison population aside from North Korea. Yeah, the underclass who disagrees isn't doing well, but you're all doing well. A person under fascism who embraces the fascism almost always does better as they're a higher class now. They are still finding mass graves. Free helicopter rides is something you will see from online fascists as a joke, as he would take people out in a helicopter rides, blindfolded, tied up, and shoot a pistol or push something off the helicopter so they could Hear the splash telling them that their comrade or someone they were imprisoned with had been pushed over to try and get them to confess and give up their other comrades. The left regretted not arming the working class to protect them from the coup and terror state, and too late ended up creating a resistance guerrilla army. Pinochet pushed a 1980 plebiscite, changing the constitution and then failed somehow to win a 1988 plebiscite where 56% no longer wanted him as a leader. When you screw up rigging an election that badly you know you got problems. He still led the military until 1998 where he retired but was arrested for the torture of 74 Spanish citizens by a Spanish court. Only in 2006 did the military accept responsibility for their actions. I guess if anything, Chile showed all the other socialist nations that if they want to stay in power, they need to use equal force and brutality or America will make sure they can't survive by being nice. Only capitalist empires get to have the Bill of Rights and Freedoms for all. You want to do that as a socialist nation, your ass will get cooed. Both of these were tragedies that never ever needed or should have never happened. But the U.S. couldn't have a functioning, free, fair socialist nation to point to. If any Chile pointed out that the only way to keep a communist state was to suppress any dissent, or your nation would be flooded with propaganda and misinformation and spies to foment rebellion. Not even the cherished democracy could win, showing the socialist people that America only cared about the right kind of democracy, not the actual will of the people. But we should have seen that with basically any voting rights for blacks with Jim Crow or rights for the natives. The riot is the voice of the unheard, and violence and suppression is the only other option when you realize even when you follow all the rules set by your opponents and it's still not good enough why bother follow their rules as their moral high ground is just bs to be honest it's really hard to discover the truth about socialism communism and anarchism both the capitalists and the communists use propaganda each biased in favor of their side and very uncharitable to the other side often not representing them or their arguments as the other side sees it pretty much always a straw man If I have said anything that you can debunk, please let me know, and if it's dramatic enough, I will upload a new video to cover it. So as always, thank you all for watching this as a video, or listening to this as a podcast, which I'm sure was completely uncontroversial to anyone, especially to the YouTube monetization team. So if you found this useful, please donate to my Patreon. Just a reminder that I'm Anubis2814 on YouTube, and I have almost 700 videos on my channel that I've made over the past 11 years on religion, science, psychology, and politics. Please go check them out, and if your site has the option, like, rate, review, and comment. A special thanks goes out to Kendall Copperberg, Ogrell, Elias Garcia Guevara, and Joe Taylor for their $10 or more Wapawet level donations. I'm always humbled by the fact that they find my work worth funding and worth driving me forward. Thank you all. Please consider donating to my work if you can, and thank you all for listening.